Welcome back to the Freewheeling Podcast. My name is Abby Mickey. This is the final of our Tour de France Femme avec Zwift dailies. And we are actually brought to you by Zwift. I have done three days in a row on Zwift, and I gotta say, the mood is elevated. I'm so excited to be back on my bike. Um, for anyone who's like working full-time jobs, has parents, there's you know a lot going on every single day. We don't have time to get out like the pros and train for hours and hours every day. And Zwift is such an awesome uh, alternative because it's really efficient. You just like jump on whenever you have time and you can get a really good workout in, in a very short amount of time. And they have like a ton of workouts on there for you. They've got routes that you can try to do. I can't say enough great things about Zwift. And uh, I chatted with Kate from Zwift and it was a mini today, one of the Femmes mini episodes that we did. And just their passion for women cycling. I mean, you can tell because they've, they, they helped make this race a reality. Um, but yeah. Love Zwift. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. Let's let's talk about the bike race. <laughs> I'm joined by Kit Nicholson. Yes. Hello. <laughs> and Kaylee Fretz. And my toddler. And two babies, yeah. <laughs> Who yours is asleep now. Uh mine is definitively not. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see how this goes. She's looking at the screen like, what is going well, on? Well, her mother is is on a work trip at the moment, and so the screen usually contains her mother, and that is why she's very intrigued by the screen. <laughs> Neither of us are her mother. No, nope, unfortunately <laughs> for her. <laughs> uh, or fortunately, because her mom is pretty freaking cool. Anyway, we've gone off track already. We're watching the final one and a half kilometers of the Tour de France Femmes avec Zwift on the Planche de Belfi. Kaylee, you were just on La Planche de Belfi. Can you give us a little like taste of what it's like on the ground? Uh, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculously steep is, is, the, is the, <laughs> the long and short of it. And they're doing the super planche, which means they're doing the gravel bit at the top. Uh, in fact, right as I say this, Annemiek van Vleuten is, is about to hit that, that little gravel section. Actually, right as it turns to gravel, it also kicks up pretty dramatically. You get this this pretty extended section at about oh, probably 18 percent or so uh and the gravel is very fine it's kind of um uh kind of chalky sandy kind of gravel it's it's you know it's it's not unbound gravel gravel it's uh but as a result there's, there's very little traction uh, and so standing up i really hope that my daughter playing with the cord of my microphone is not gonna make a bunch of noise uh standing up is really difficult so you'll if you if you look very closely at the bikes today, you'll notice that they're all running very, very, very low gears because one of your kind of only options to get up this thing is to sit in the saddle and make sure you've got plenty of of rear wheel traction. Uh, and that means you need a nice low gear to be able to spin up this thing. But it is just oh, oh, geez. Cecilia Ludwig is, is getting mm. gapped on one of the gnarly sections at the moment. Uh, it, it's just it's just so steep. I mean. That's the thing about Laplanche is, is uh, I actually like I like the way that they arranged this stage a lot more than the, the planches in the men's race this year as well, which is when, when I was up there. Um, in the men's race, it was more like a power test. They sort of like rolled into it and then went straight up that. Uh, whereas today, they hit a bunch of climbs ahead of it, kind of exploded the race a little bit, made the whole stage a bit more dynamic. But even so, it all was going to come down to the planche. It, it, it's such a hard climb. Yeah, I was hopeful that that it was so steep that um, Anamik's signature solo breakaways wouldn't win the day. Not because I have anything against Anamik, just because I want the race to be exciting. Um, and we all knew she was going to win. And and I mean, she yeah, she's solo right now. So my hopes were. <laughs> but she's only so been much. solo for six kilometers, so that's it's true. To say Instead of six, yeah, it's only six today. So. And she had about um, twenty-seven bike changes a, earlier. Yeah. Yeah, she had like a really hectic day. She had a problem with it sounded like her front wheel, um, which she has the front wheel from her yellow bike on her on her black bike right now. Um, she has like an amazing canyon that's all yellow, yellow uh, decals on the wheels, yellow handlebar tape, all that good stuff. But she didn't want to ride it on the climbs today because of the paint weight um like it would make a difference for her so she wrote it in the uh in the neutral section and then swapped but then she had a problem with her front wheel so she jumped on her teammates Arlena Sierra's bike and then she 
got back to the main Peloton, swapped for her yellow bike, was back in the main Peloton, swapped for her black bike, which is her climbing bike. And now that is the bike that she's on as she rides on the gravel. Blech, that looks terrible. God, it looks so steep. That looks horrible. 20... 24% is is the section that she's on right now, which is, if anybody's ever ridden a climb that is 24%, particularly one that is on gravel, you can basically barely move. Uh, it, it, you know, she's in her lowest gear. This is, this is the best climber currently on the planet, uh, and barely moving, <laughs> barely moving up this, up this climb. It is just, I'm glad they included it. It's a good, um, it's a good test i think and there was a funny little tidbit in i forget who posted this i think it was one of our colleagues there's a funny little tidbit in the tour de france kind of like media guide thing that basically said that this was intended to maybe rename not rename but give it a different reason for the name of the climb because it does literally translate to the, the plank of pretty ladies uh based off of some old story about a bunch of young women committing suicide, I believe. So not the greatest story ever. Uh, and hopefully a significantly more positive story coming out of this race than the planche had previously. I think a motorbike might just have fallen over on the steep bit. Yep. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. They are. Oh. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's. No, it's kind of funny. There you go. It's like, kind of funny. That's how steep it is. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Well, Anna Van Vluten takes two stages in a row, and she's won the yellow jersey. Safe to say. Following is she's got like a hundred meters left. Fighting so hard. Oof. She actually looks. She's she's making she she her body language. Vollering is uh, looks stronger than Van Vluten. I wondered if this might be more of a Vollering climb, but then of course she's not that so far factor. behind. No, she's not. Yeah, she gained a bit of time there. This is a constant conversation we have on freewheeling that Van Vluten is such an incredible bike rider, does not look good on a bike. <laughs> Every time she attacks, it's like, how is she so good? She looks like she's physically fighting her bike. Every time. Yeah, full body workout. I mean, why not? So Volering then secures second place, and, and the real battle is for the last place on the podium at the moment. Uh, looks like Niwadoma is sort of leading across the line here. She's had a great race. Yeah, she's had an incredible race. And third third overall at the Tour de France Femme of X-Wift is going to be such a huge result for her and I think is only going to help her in the future with her confidence. I mean, she's she's such an interesting rider because she's always been really, really close to the top and she's won some really big races, but she expends energy sometimes when she should try to save it. And she's, I think she's only going to get better as she continues. Cause she's got to learn, right. She's got to learn like how to use her efforts and she's been getting better. And I think like for this race, I'm, I'm super impressed with her. I'm more impressed with Sylvia Persico, yeah. who just took third on the stage and is just like such an incredible talent. She, this is basically her first year fully racing road. It's her first year as the leader on the team. She used to just be a domestique for Elisa Balsamo, who was on tra Valcar Travel and Service last year and years previously before joining Trek. And is just, I mean, Persico, this is like her, her hello cycling, road cycling world. It's me. <laughs> Make room. Yeah. She's one, of, as we said at the very beginning of the tour, she's one of those who had her coming of age at this race and we're better to do it really. I love how many of the riders have like their mom, their parents, their parents there with them. Like we saw Demi Vollering yesterday at the finish with her parents. We saw Voss with her parents earlier in the stage. Anamiek's waving hi to her parents. I mean, it's just like, it's awesome. I mean, it makes sense though. I mean, Abby, you just, I just actually posted a story that you wrote about sort of what this race means and what it means to you personally, but probably also what it means to all of the women in this race, right? It's like, this is, it's the first time any of them have raced a Tour de France. Uh, and I feel like I'm not too surprised that people's parents showed up. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you've, you've probably got, you've got moms and dads and, and, who spent what how many hours driving people to driving their kids to uh 
to bike races for years and years and years as juniors. And then and, and now they get to see them do this. So I'm not in any way surprised that we see lots of parents on finish lines. Yeah. The, um, the inspiration for that story was literally just the picture of Demi on the podium, um, in the polka dot Jersey because she was in tears and she, she was really emotional after stage seven as well. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a huge deal. This race that is probably going to completely change women's cycling, hopefully for the better. Um, but for people who grew up watching the tour de France, it's a really big deal that this race is, is happening right now. And I feel like the show was good enough. The, the racing was good enough. And the numbers that I've seen as far as viewing figures have been really, really good. And I can say like looking at the podcast numbers that we have more downloads on freewheeling than we've ever had before. So I feel like for, in terms of the ASO, um, getting a return on their investment doesn't really happen in cycling. So it's kind of like a bad way to put it, but they said if they, if it isn't a, um, profitable venture, this race, then they're not going to do it in the future. There was a quote, um, from the Partian that was, yeah, terrible. Um, but just seeing the reaction to this race and seeing, you know, how, how much the riders really just dove into it and how much the fans have loved watching it. I think that this is a race that we're going to have for many, many years to come. At least I really hope so. I mean, the Zwift deal is three years, right? Four years. Four years? Three more okay, years. So, so yeah. Three more years after this, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that, you know, that, that is good news in this sort of somewhat short term. But uh, I, am, I don't know exactly what Zwift is putting into it financially, but for a presenting sponsorship, for a naming sponsorship, I'm assuming they're probably covering the bulk of the sort of the cost around it. Um, and so I think that that's going to be the sort of the moment of reckoning, right, is, is when that when that contract is up uh, and we find out and we find out whether there's another another sponsor waiting in the wings or whether Zwift continues or I apologize for the noise in the background. I hear. <laughs> daughter has just found her um, her little xylophone thingy. So oh, we great. could get really, we're going to get really some background music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's not very good at it just yet. Um, anyway. Yeah. I think that's going to be kind of the moment of reckoning is, is, you know, when that contract is up, whether, whether it continues after that point. And you would hope that essentially this, this Swift contract buys enough time for, uh, essentially momentum to build right to the point where, this race going away isn't even conceivable anymore. Uh, that would be the, that's the end goal, I think. And I would, I fully agree that, you know, the numbers are amazing. I, I saw a tweet from our colleagues over at Vela News the other day, basically saying that the numbers on the Tour de France Femme were roughly identical to actually higher than the men's Giro d'Italia. Um, and obviously the Giro has continued on for years and years and years and years. So I, I think that the, the interest is really high. I think that some of the sort of video and documentary stuff that's going to come out around this race is going to, is going to help as well. It, 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 it has all the right ingredients for success. Um, and hopefully ASO realizes that, that it's worth, worth continuing four years from now. But I, frankly, that's a conversation we should be having three years, three, four years from now. Uh, I don't think we need to talk too much about it right now. Is it, is it, I was, I was going to just pivot over to the enemy Van Vluten discussion. Oh um, dear. Oh dear. You know, the first, what, five, six stages of this race were, were pretty phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> maybe largely because Annemiek Vivlitten was apparently sick. Uh, and then the last two, there was a huge amount happening behind her, but it felt pretty much like a foregone conclusion when she went that there was, that there was nothing anybody could do about it. Uh, now, she has said that she's got, what, one more year after this before she's going to retire. Uh, so we will at least get a couple editions of this race guaranteed without her in the race. But, I mean, is is she a positive or a negative for, for this bike race? I think that's a valid, I think that's a valid question. 
I think it built to build on on your last point, Kaylee, about the well, uh, the momentum that is building from the race. Nobody could have possibly expected. I mean, maybe ASO might have hoped it would be perfect from the first edition, but that was never going to happen. There has to be some sort of development, and we know that there's a massive disparity between the top level, the Van Vluten level, and the Conti teams who are here to to get to finish the race. I, I don't know. I think I think there's there's an argument for Van Vluten being there will bring everybody else's level up, um, and yeah, well, yeah, she may dominate while she's still around, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's maybe it needs slightly different uh, stages, slightly fewer really long climbs, uh, or maybe climbs in the middle of the race and a bit more excitement afterwards. Um, I think there's something to be said for both sides. I agree. I feel like having Van Vluten, well, I agree to an extent. Having Van Vluten around definitely encourages other riders to like try to get to that level. Demi Vollering did a lot in the build up to this race to try to be able to match Van Vluten on stage seven and couldn't do it. And so for one, she said she's retiring. I'll believe it when I see it because Ashley Lumpasio also said she was retiring and she is not now. So there's that. <laughs> and if she is indeed retiring at the end of 2023, then we've got an um, amazing battle on our hands for the 2024 Tour de France champion. Um, but I still feel like there were points in this race when she could have been beaten and people didn't do it. Stage four, I'm, I still look at that stage and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like what were you guys doing? She was off the back. She had a mechanical. She was sick. People should have just hit it. Like they should have really tried to get as much time on her as they possibly could. And that whole group just sat up. So I feel like the race could have been raced differently. That would have meant when they went into stage seven, she would have still won, but the gap would have been smaller and it maybe would have made the last two days a little bit more interesting. But I mean, I saw a lot of people yesterday on Twitter that were just like the first six stages were so good. And then 60... 50 kilometers to go like there was no point in watching anymore in stage seven which is it's just real. it's a bummer so I think that there's an argument to be made both ways she's an incredible athlete she does a lot for cycling but but yeah those those efforts efforts that are almost unbelievable are not great for the sport and you either, like I said yesterday, like you're either a huge fan of Anamique and you love to see her do this, or you're a huge fan of everyone else and you don't like to watch her do that. Yeah, I mean, there's something there's something incredible about dominance, right? There's something worth watching when you when you feel like you're watching, you know, the greatest of a generation kind of thing. Um, at that particular at that particular type of of racing, there were some other interesting points I saw made. And I don't know how valid these are, or maybe these are these are potentially even quite patronizing. That um, that essentially that the rest of the women's calendar looks nothing like this, right? I mean, the Giro is hard, so I don't know if that's actually sort of fully accurate. But the majority of the women's calendar is, does not have stages like yesterday or today, uh, in particular like yesterday. And so the majority of the sort of the top racers in the peloton are essentially not tuned for races like yesterday. Uh, and for whatever reason, Anamique is. I don't know if, if that's accurate or not. I, I, I don't really like the sort of I just train harder stuff that came out of yesterday. I find that I find that quite patronizing to the entire rest of the Peloton. I also find it somewhat uh, difficult to wrap my head around someone getting older and recovering better, uh, which would mean they were allowed to or were able to train harder than everybody else. That that part doesn't it sits very strangely with me. So I, I, some of the explanations around why exactly she's so much better than everybody else, I think, are uh, worth delving into a, a little bit, a little bit deeper. Um, and, and some of the some of the explanations as to, as to why the rest of the peloton essentially can't do what what she can do, um, I don't know what what's valid and what's not at this point. And I think that it's going to take a little while to sort of sort through all that. 
I think as far as like the recovery part and her getting older, there is something to say that there is like very little research done on women, specifically women her age in sport, in high level sport. So we already know that women's bodies are different than men's. And I'm not saying that this makes her I train harder than everyone else thing or more hours than everyone else, more, more kilometers than everyone else. I don't know if it makes it more believable or it's a, it excuses it, but, but that is true that there's like no research done for how women's bodies react to sport. What I have a harder time wrapping my head around is that she was going to quit the race on stage two and could have was her teammates were pu- pushing her over the climbs and she didn't even have the energy to pack her own suitcase and she was able to bounce back and do what she did on stage seven. Like, yeah, I, I have a harder time with that. <laughs> than- there, I mean, I, I don't, I won't go into too much detail probably because I can't, but also I can't remember it in that much detail, but, um, David Miller was talking about this in relation to Lizzie Dignan, I think last year, uh, or maybe even year before. Uh, well, it was it was in relation to coming back after uh, having a child, and then Paris Roubaix, and th- so there was there. I think there is beginning to be a little bit of understanding about the way that the women's body works is slightly different to men's, and there is an element of faster recovery or. Uh, metabolism or something like that that does actually make this sort of thing compute differently to men's racing for instance but yeah I couldn't go into too much detail without uh, having to be quite rigorously fact-checked I mean I'm Um, 10 weeks postpartum and I did my second ride ever yesterday and I was wearing the polka dot jersey in Zwift so there we go (laughs) that's all the proof we need really (laughs) I would say <laughs> no, I, 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 I like the context around all of this is essentially what what is being talked about is is when Anamik says I train harder than my competitors, she's not saying like I try harder. She's essentially saying that my body can handle more workload than most of the rest of the women's belt on, and that that's sort of the that's the crux of it. And that's maybe why it's a little bit less patronizing than it would first seem is that it's not, she's not saying, no, I I win because I just try harder. Like that would be silly, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone is trying very, very, very hard. She's literally saying, because I've been doing this for what, 15 years now, which she started racing, when she was 25, 26, I think, um, that my body can handle workloads that are higher than they could, than I, than I could 10 years ago. Right. Uh, so there is, there's probably something to that. And like, you're like, you're both saying that the, it runs counter to what we know about men's bodies, but these are not men's bodies we're talking about, uh, because we're not talking about like drops in testosterone as you get older. Uh, that's, it's a, it's a totally different thing. Anyway, we don't, we don't need to spend too much time in the physiology here. I, I thought it was worth the sort of broader question of, uh, you know, is, dominance good for a bike race, I think is the more interesting one. Uh, it's yeah. a similar question to the one that we were having about Tade Pogacar before the men's race. It's one that we have ha- been having about Anamik Benvoten for, for a couple of years now. And I don't, I don't think there's ever going to be consensus there. I think like you said, Abby, it's basically whether you're a fan of the dominant rider or not. Uh, I think as, as reporters, we tend to just like kind of exciting chaos and storylines, right? Yeah. Exciting bike racing. Yeah. And so most, <laughs> most of us are going to be in, in team team. I have no idea who's going to win the bike race until the last five seconds. Uh, but there's something pretty special about watching a rider who is that good. Uh, and any athlete that is that good. I mean, I think that there, there is sort of another angle to sport where you can really appreciate that. I mean, it's like, did you like the Sky Train or were you not a fan of the Sky Train? Mm-hmm. Like, same, same, kind of. Yeah. And my favorite quote that she had yesterday was basically like, don't do it at home. Don't do this at home, kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> don't train like I train. <laughs> uh, no. And- well, because he couldn't. You couldn't. It'd be impossible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly her point. 
It's like, I mean, how, how, how many cat threes do we know who were like, oh, I'm just going to go train 30 hours a week and become a pro. Like, no, your body can't do that. And that's that's at, at, a, at a different scale is exactly what she's talking about. What was interesting to me today when she had her her bike, many, many bike changes was when she had the first the first incident and she was on her teammates bike and she was in a group and she was like trying to get them all to work. And like I had a friend texting me. Uh, um, she did what she did yesterday. Can't she just like ride up to this bunch? And I was like, yes, yes, she can. And she will give it like 30 seconds. And then she was up there. Um, anyway, I want to kind of move away from Anamik Van Bluten because I think that, uh, yeah, we should. <laughs> what more can you say? Yeah. What, really? I mean, probably a lot, but we shouldn't. Um, <laughs> the general classification is is done. The race is over. Anamie Van Vluten won. Demi Volering, three minutes, 48 seconds back. And then in third place, Cash Dome is six minutes and 35 seconds. So it wasn't even really a bite, uh, battle for second or third because Juliette Lebeau is almost a minute behind Kasha. Uh, Silvio Pers- Sylvia Persico in fifth. And I would just like to really quickly take a moment to look at ninth place on the general classification. Veronica Ewers, who is our audio, one of our audio diarists and is a young American writer who's very, very exciting to be a fan of. So let's really quick hear from Veronica. Hey, Abby. Uh, yes, thank you for the reminder. Um, and sorry if there's uh, music in the background, but uh, woo, what a week. Um, I really can't put into words how amazing it's been. Um, with my team specifically, uh, I think we grew a lot um, together um, from stage one to stage eight. It was like night and day difference in how well we worked together. Um, which is really cool. And then um, personally, I feel like I grew a lot as a writer throughout the stages. Um, And yeah, I'm pretty, um, yeah, overwhelmed by the whole experience um, and pretty happy with a top 10 GC um, and a top 10 result today. Um, I didn't really expect it, but I gave it absolutely everything I had. And uh, yeah, that last climb was, absolutely brutal i mean the last i mean the whole last climb was really hard obviously but the like last 150 meters was the longest 150 meters i think i've ever uh ridden and um especially the last 50 meters too it was uh yeah really brutal um thought i would tip over and have to hobble up the rest of the way but um somehow managed to turn over the pedals um Yeah, I've never collapsed after an effort before, and I definitely did today. Um, But, yeah, I mean, again, Anamique and Damie did uh, just drop the bomb and destroyed the peloton on that last climb. Uh, They're just at an amazing level of cycling, and uh, I was just dangling on to the other climbers, um, trying to chase or at least hold on behind them. yeah, really amazing. Um, I love seeing how strong all these women are. Um, and like I continue to say on and on, uh, the spectators were amazing. Um, I've had a couple friends from high school reach out to me actually. And um, at the beginning of this week were ex- um, said how excited they were that I was in it and that they didn't know that it was happening. and. Um, now they're looking forward to watching more women's racing and cycling in general. Um, so yeah, it's really awesome what this Tour de France Femme has done, um, for cycling and women's cycling. Um, and I'm excited to see that hopefully there's more media coverage because, um, there's been so much evidence that women's cycling would bring a lot of viewership. So yeah um relieved tired happy overwhelmed um amazing week and i'm stoked for the next one thanks should we talk a little bit about what happened in the stage just really quickly before we got to la planche because there was a break that went up the road that had a lot of riders that i actually named in my preview in it um 
and was pretty promising, except they, they didn't really get that much time. They had... They had a good amount of time going into the final 10K, but they didn't last. Rihanna Marcus was in there, the Dutch national champion. We had Mavi Garcia, who's an incredible climber, uh, Paulina Rorakis and Elise Shabby, both of whom are very good riders, Canyon Sram. So great numbers for Canyon Sram. And Canyon Sram actually had a really interesting situation going into the base of La Planche Belfi. Liana Lippert, the German national champion, and uh, Grace Brown from FDJ. And then Anamik had a teammate who helped her pace on the bottom of the climb for about a th- half a second before Anamik was going faster than her. Anyway, <laughs> it was a it was a good breakaway. I was hoping that it would be like I have for so many times. I was hoping that it would be a day for the breakaway and that it would be a tale of two two races, but no. Well, it was partly SD Works and Trek's fault for trying to ride away when Van Vluten was having her bike changes maybe. If I was SD work and SD works in Trek, I also would try to ride away when Anami was yeah. having her. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not saying no, that. No, but it's, you it's know, their I think fault. It's the break rule. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. You can only like oh. hope for so much to happen in a bike race. Yeah, and I think Vanvleet would have would have expected that too. I don't think she she would have been at all. But if somebody asks her, "What about when you were in trouble and the others taking advantage?" I think she'd have considered that a fair game, especially if she wasn't going to lose the yellow jersey. I mean, she could have walked up the last st- steep section and still kept it. She could have walked up the whole <laughs> thing and probably still kept it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh... yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a it was an interesting situation on the road until it wasn't. I think what was different today compared to yesterday for, uh, definitely was there was more teamwork. Hmm. And yeah, some of it might, in hindsight, look a little bit like token gestures on the last day of a big bike race. But there were many more faces involved in the action, which was good to see. Better than a solo effort. Yeah. And Canyon Sram were did loads today, which was really... They, I mean, they were obviously really determined to make something happen. And they kind of did. I mean, third overall is damn good, like we said. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for next year. You guys excited for next year? Mm-hmm. First, I'm going to take a really long <laughs> sleep. <laughs> what do we think about this being the last stage, like on the top of a mountain when nobody finishes together? I think it, if if you remove Enemy Van Vloten from from the last two days, then the last two days are insane bike racing. I I absolutely love how they built this race. I love the way that they built the courses to kind of a crescendo on the final two stages. But I agree with Kaylee. Like if you, if Anamik hadn't been so dominant the last two stages, it it would have been a really, really good end. But, and I feel like there's something kind of amazing about it ending on a mountaintop. Like I, I don't love the parade into Paris. No, I mean, I'm surprised. I'm thinking about, you know, asking that question because <laughs> I, yeah, that, that always feels like a bit of a, I mean, it's quite nice as, as a reporter to wrap things up on the final stage because uh, <laughs> you don't have to worry too much about that something happening when you're knackered. But, um, but yeah, I think, I guess you're right with, uh, with Annemiek van Vluten having completely rinsed the competition, a bit of a procession with another opportunity for the sprinters and a green jersey competition that wasn't over by day five, six. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, with with without Van Vluten or without a dominant ride, and it's such a grandstand finish like this is yeah has a potential for real excitement. Well, and I think that the way that it was set up, such that you know, with a gravel stage in the middle, and you know, in theory, the best climber in the world should not do particularly well on a gravel stage, right? In theory. Uh, it was, yeah, it was set up. And, and, and to some extent, it actually did work out, right? I mean, like, like Van Vluten was, what, a minute 30 or something back at the start of stage six. So, um, you know, it, it, it sort of worked as the, as intended. We just have, we have sort of a more dominant rider than, than any course can, can realistically account for. Um, but I, I, I agree with Abby that I think it was, a f- it was really well laid out. I don't know. You know, I don't know if do they finish on the planche every year or something like that. Do they do they do that sort of Tour de France thing where where they finish in the shops every year? I, I don't think that that's worthwhile. They should do some experimentation, uh, and there's certainly lots of options. 
but for me the 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 racing was the racing was good end to end and in particular if you just started paying attention to who was going to come finish in second and third uh the racing was fantastic even the last two sta- last two days so i i thought it was i thought it was really well put together yeah we even had a couple non-dutch winners Six out of the eight stages went to the Dutch, <laughs> with two going to Voss and two going to Van Vluten. But yeah, Sile's win was probably the highlight of the whole the whole race for me, all eight days. Um, and yeah, Marlon Roos's win, which has it's a little bit decisions by the team made a couple days later are questionable at best, but um, allowing her to get back on her bike. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it was, overall, if I'm looking at the race as a whole, I'm coming out of it with positive vibes. Favorite bit? I just said it. Sile winning. It was like... Yeah, it's, it, stage two was a great moment for uh, as well. When it was supposed to be... I mean, I'm not sure it would have been a traditional bunch sprint anyway, given the nature of the final ramp. But that was some really exciting racing out of nothing. Yeah, it's marred a little bit by some gruesome crashing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was exciting from the start. Even the Champs-Élysées sprint was was chaotic. And, yeah, we got the predicted winner. But, yeah, it, it's every stage has had stories to tell. So that's memorable. Voss taking yellow felt just very right to me. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, that was actually one of my favorite moments of the entire race was, like, the greatest of all time, wearing yellow, I don't know how much longer she'll race for. Could be 10 years. Who the, who the heck knows? Yeah, forever. But, you know, she is in probably at least the second half of her career. And I'm glad that that's something that, that she got to she got to earn an experience. That was a, I think that was a special moment for the sport. Yeah, I agree 100%. That was awesome. All right. We're going to wrap up our studio coverage and hand the mic over to matt and amy who are on the ground but before that hear from no jose's gone there's no more jose hear from jose next year (laughs) um before i hand the mic over to matt and amy here is audrey cordon rago before the stage and julie leth after the stage and julie leth's uh teammate Anadota, who was it was the Mayo Sabla up until today, uh, the start of today, and Lisa Brenauer is the Mayo Sabla, but we're not doing the Mayo Sabla because it's I think it's dumb. <laughs> and this is my <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> Sorry Fine. to the fans of cycling tips and the lovers of the Mayo Sabla. <laughs> uh, I feel I like think, a, I like a no, I didn't know. We we won't, we don't have to get into how many riders didn't finish. I feel like on the cycling tips podcast, sorry, on the freewheeling proper podcast, we can dive into the fact that this is like the biggest women's field that they'll race in all year. And did they really need to let in a bunch of the smaller French team, three of the small French teams that don't race any world tour races for the rest of the year? Mm, but that's a conversation for for the freewheeling roundtable. For now, Kit, thank you so much for jumping on multiple podcasts this week. Pleasure. Kaylee, I'm undecided whether you're going to be invited back. (laughs) (laughs) That's very valid. Hey, hubby. Here we are. Last stage of the tour, 2022. Um, I don't know. It's a mixed feelings. Uh, between tiredness, excitement, a um, bit of fear, I have to say, because I'm so scared to be dropped from the first little climb. My two legs are two wood sticks. And I do have the feeling that I'm so empty that I cannot even follow the bunch on the flat. So, wow. I just hope I'm gonna get a really good gruppetto like yesterday and just enjoying this last stage as much as I can, um, trying to enjoy the, the pain as well. Um, it's been an amazing tour so far. It's been amazing to see as many people on the side of the road, 
the TV audiences are just amazing, like almost the same as a mountain stage yesterday for the men tour. So it's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, this tour reached all our expectations and even more. And uh, I'm really, really proud of the French organization, really proud of French people and French public coming for us on the side and yeah just one thing to say thank you hey abby it's anna dorte here i just want to say that we made it <laughs> all six of us yeah finished the tour de france film avec swift yeah um yeah my day was actually quite all right I was just trying to enjoy it out there, really enjoy all the spectators, take it all in and appreciate it and uh, almost got a bit emotional out there thinking, oh, we're actually part of something really important here. Um, so really cool. All of us finishing. <laughs> Hannah yeah. Barnes is actually pretending to cry, but she's just happy because England just scored. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was such a good day and still so many spectators, like it's unbelievable that all these people are here to share for us and um, personally I had a better day today, I actually made it to the Grappetto and I'm just, yeah, now I can sleep very well tonight. Happy to be done. Yeah. Woohoo! Woo! Hello. We are back for the final day of the Tour de France Femme. What? As if it's been a week since Paris. I can't believe it. Yeah, bike racing has a way of kind of warping your perception of time. It feels like it's gone really fast, but also Paris feels like about three months ago. That is very true. It does. My my uh, 26,000 steps feels a long time ago, although I still feel very tired. And we're on the last corner of the Planche de Belfield. We're standing at the 100 meters to go sign, aren't we? Yeah, and it is. this last corner is brutally steep. I think it's above 20% here on this corner. And <sighs> Looks disgusting. Yeah, the last corner of the tour, and it's, yeah, savage. It's also really hot up here today. So I don't envy the women today on this final stage. I don't envy them ever, but <laughs> especially not today. And um, we've rediscovered yesterday's fan that we spotted in the street. Hello, have you had a nice time at the Tour de France Femme? Hello, yes, this is Hilda Rice here. <laughs> I'm having a great time. I've come over from Germany. Um, so I like it in this region, the Vosges, Alsace. And I'm just, yeah, winning this competition and it's just great times. Um, I've decided I'm not going to ride the finish. Usually, you know, I would ride the last climb. Normally. Normally also I would be on the last climb, but I thought I don't want to like break the Strava record or anything. So I'm just, I'm just enjoying the atmosphere. That's so lovely. Isn't it nice to see the fans out, Matt? It is, yeah. And seeing them come out to multiple days in a row as well, not just one day. That's commitment right commitment, there. Commitment, dedication, absolutely, yeah. What have you think, thought about the race so far, Hilda? I think it's been great. Um, it's maybe not been the most unpredictable race, but you know what, it's the biggest race on the calendar and we knew that two big Dutch women would want to win the stages and take yellow and that's what happened, but I don't think it's taken away from the race. It's been great to watch and there's been, there's been a lot of other stuff going on and if you look, look past the winners, there's, there's plenty, plenty to enjoy. What's been the highlight for you? <laughs> um, the highlight for me has been, I really liked yesterday being on top of that climb. It was lovely up there and in the evening, driving back down to the sunset, it was just just dreamy and enjoying it with um, lovely fellow Tour de Swift fan. Tour de Swift! It's so nice that they let the plebs in to where we were. The peasants. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, they gave me a little pass because of the old competition and um, I really enjoyed it. And obviously I'm uh, <laughs> just repping Swift. I can't really name the, name the race apart from that, so all about Zwift for me. I wish this was a Zwift race. You're a fan of, of Zwift? N never seen it. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what else is in store for the riders today, Matt, before they get to this brutal corner we're currently standing next to? Yeah, a couple more climbs. 
about eight k's long, I think, each of them, and they're steep as well, but not quite as steep as this. This the Planche de Belfier climb is tough overall, but then the last kilometre or so where it hits the the uh, gravel and these really steep ramps is really nasty. Uh, we saw a lot of riders on the hands and knees yesterday at the end of the stage, and I think not literally, not li well in some cases <laughs> kind of literally, literally after yeah. the finish line, yes. yeah, after the finish line. And I think we'll see something similar today. It'll just be Kinge at the top there, and I think it might be worse because yesterday's climb wasn't that steep towards the finish, and it's when you see these like really steep finishes that you see everybody in bits at the top. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a rough one, but it's going to be very exciting. Who do you think is going to win the stage today, Hilda? I think Annemiek van Vlooyen is going to win the stage. You know, she's climbing really well. She said she's not worried. And even you know, at the Giro, she said she didn't want to just win everything and take everything away from everyone else. But I think today, the chance to win in yellow on the biggest climb on the last day, like, she's just not going to pass that up. And if she's feeling good, no one's going to be better than her. So I think it will be the same as yesterday. Same as yesterday. Yeah. I except think, it's today. Do you think so as well, Amy? <sighs> I th my head says yes. My heart would like to see some variation in terms of this climb potentially suiting someone like... A, a, I don't know. I really, really don't know. I'm so bad at predicting. To be honest, I think my heart just wants to see Demi keep that polka dot jersey at least and maybe win a stage. But I think realistically, we are going to see Annemiek win in yellow, which would also be really great for this race. I think... If anyone deserves it, it's her, to be honest. So, Is there any chance she cracks after yesterday? I think that would make it more interesting, wouldn't it? I think she was the freshest-looking gal across the line yesterday, um, apart from Erska. What do you think about Erska, Hilda? Do you like her? Are you a fan? I am a fan of Erska. I mean, the problem with Erska Ziggart is that her positioning in the bunch is just terrible, and I think she really, really doesn't like being in the peloton, which is understandable, but if you want to be a good bike rider, you have to be good at everything, and yesterday was the first day that she finished in the first 90 riders. She's been outside the top 100, like, all week, and she really is a good climber, but there aren't that many pure climbing days, and she kind of needs to build other things. You can't just rely on being a good climber, because it really, you know, she said to me yesterday, you can't win from last place, which is true. And I think, even though yesterday was a good day, it was a little bit disappointing, because that was probably, like, the one day on the calendar that was most suited to her. And I think eighth isn't really what she was hoping for. So, you know, today... It depends how she recovers, but she could be up there again. And on that note, what do you think of the idea that maybe stages like yesterday and today, the women's peloton aren't ready for them or that maybe they do neutralise the racing a little bit? Do you think that, that there's an argument for potentially not having that sort of stage before there's more depth in the peloton? I've seen that argument. I am not personally advocating for that. I feel like the presence of Anamik skews that argument. I think if you remove Anamik from the race, then you, we have a much, much closer race. And it probably looks different. It's probably a more defensive race and we don't see attacks going on that first climb. But I think it um, smooths out the field in that way. You know, it'd be a much closer race. Um, but yeah, Anamik just kind of turned the race on its head really and made it as if that, you know, we basically didn't need those last two climbs essentially. Hilda, any thoughts on that? Um, I would also say you've got to start somewhere and you've got to start putting these climbs in and then the depth will come and the more climbing days you have, the more people will focus on the climbing and the depth will improve. Um, and I don't think having none... It's the same with time trials. We've spoken about this on the podcast before that, OK, yeah, the depth isn't quite there with time trialling and there will be big gaps, but the more you have, the more incentive there is to be good at it. And, and there you go. So I think... I also read a good point, I think it was from our friend Felix who works for the UCI, he said that for the time gaps yesterday, if they'd taken, if they'd taken the time cut from Demi Vollering, no one would have been out. So the gap isn't enormous, there's, there's just one rider who is way, way better, but apart from her, and you know, after 2023, we won't have her, not to kind of celebrate that fact, but it's not like we're looking down the barrel of five more years of this. We will in the future have a bit more of a balanced and level climbing on, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like you said before, the courses have to kind of lend themselves to different types of riders before different types of riders can specialise in things. And Lorena Weaver said pretty much the same about sprinting the other day too. Like, the reason there aren't that many pure sprinters in the women's peloton is because nobody can focus on it because the races don't lend themselves to it. So, yeah, I think it's key for development and... 
you know, like you said, we have to start somewhere. Um, we are joined by none other. Listeners may be familiar with the work of Bitsy Wilch, also known as Welchy. Here she is. Good day. Wow, she's actually from America. Oh my God. That is so unfair. Did you find a trash can? No, I found a rubbish bin. <laughs> what do you think of the race so far? Bitsy. <laughs> um, it's been amazing. I don't know what you guys were just talking about, but I totally agree. And <laughs> um, I don't know. I just think this is like, it's just showing us what's possible, right? Like, you know, maybe give me a couple of days and then we can go back to like the naysaying and the hating. But like, let's just say how cool this has been. Um, how cool it's been that the French people have just showed up in mass. Like, I think that's kind of one of my favorite parts is I feel like we have to thank the French people because they are here. You know, honestly, I don't, I don't think they care if it's men or women racing. They are here for the tour. They're here for the bike race. And that's been really cool. What's been your highlight? Working with you guys. <laughs> Someone wants the extra champagne later. Seriously, it's been so cool. You know, I don't have anything to compare this to. Like, I don't know if there's this many women at the men's tour. I don't know if women are superior journalists. We are. But yes. um, it's 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 part of the vibe. Like, it's, it's really cool to um, see women covering women cycling and even talking to the riders. Like, they notice it and they, I think they really enjoy it too. It, it just, it brings different energy. And Betsy, you're our resident gravel expert. What's your uh, what's your read of the last kilometre here, the gravel up to the top? Well, Kirsten and I just walked down there, and actually, I think this could be a lot trickier than maybe the gravel in um, was it stage four? Like this, it's really fine. It's kind of dusty. It's like almost sandy, and it's so steep that if you tried to stand up in that, like things could go backwards. Tits up. <laughs> tits up as they say um quickly so yeah um be careful on this i think um i don't know as, as everyone can probably tell we've we've lost the plot slightly at this point in the race um we're in the baking sun hilda's just just happy to be here aren't you you know i'm a huge fan of the podcast especially um is your, is your favourite host Tilda Price? I would probably say my favourite host is Tilda Price, although I do quite like Abby Mickey. Uh, the other one with an old accent, she kind of annoys me. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, she's annoying her. She's the dickhead. Yeah, like if it was just Gracie, uh, Abby, Lauren and Tilda, that would really be good. But, you know, you've got to get through these things. And Bitsy now as well. But, but would you replace that accent with this one? That's I would replace that accent with Bitsy's Kiwi accent. <laughs> Let's have some. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. That was, yeah, I'm falling over now. No, I, yeah, we've really... <sighs> Should we interview those farmers? No. Okay. <laughs> I think it's time. We'll see you later. All right, we are back. And... It is about 20 past 10 on the evening of the final stage. We're back in the hire car on our way to the hotel via a stop off at McDonald's because only the finest things, right, Amy? Absolutely. It's been a hell of a day, really. It's been a very big day. It's been like this morning feels like 100 years ago to me now. I think I've spent too long in the sun today. My brain is quite literally fried. We had to take a shuttle up to the top of La Planche de Belfi because there's not enough parking up there. And so we've been standing around for what, five hours or something up there at least in the sun, waiting for it all to kick off and then back in the sweatiest, hottest shuttle on the way back down. That was quite um, concerningly veering off the road at times, or at least... I mean, the chassis on that bus is probably no more. And it was so overloaded with people that uh, on every corner of this descent, it was scraping on the side of the, the chassis as well. It was quite an entertaining ride down, but I was very glad to be out of that bus. The tour is over, and as many people predicted, Adam McVanvleuten was the winner. 
and she won the final stage in the yellow jersey, which was, I guess, a fitting result in the end. Yeah, I mean, as much as, you know, I think a lot of people would have preferred to see a more open GC competition, Anamique was the strongest rider. Um, I think, you know, given how long she's been in the sport, everything she's kind of achieved before, it was fitting to see her wearing yellow crest in the Plange de Belfield before everybody else. And, yeah, I think it was... It was the expected result, but I think it was the right result too. Second on the stage, like yesterday, was Demi Vollering, who um, wrapped up second overall. And third on the day was uh, a bit of a surprise, Sylvia Persico. Um, I just wrote an article about her for the website for cyclingtips.com, which you can check out. <laughs> what a great website. You can check out the full article there, but I wrote that she was the most versatile and complete rider over the the eight days lest we forget she came third at cyclocross worlds behind lucinda brand and marina voss in january exactly right it came to this race hunting for stage wins and ended up fifth overall with six out of eight stage finishes in the top seven and that would have been seven of eight in the top seven if she hadn't been relegated for a dodgy sprint a few days ago so she's oh, really? Been, I missed that. Yeah, so she's been up there in bunch sprints. She's been up there in uphill finishes. And then she was among the best climbers on the two mountain days as well. So a very, very impressive tour for Persico. Um, really cool to see. Cool to see a, a rider that, you know, wasn't one of the people that we talked about coming into the race, really showing what she was capable of and taking it to some of the bigger names. Yeah, yeah, another Valcar Travelling Service rider who is shaping up to be one of the best in the sport already. So, yeah, great to see that result from her. By my read of the situation, she is out of contract at the end of this year as well, so I would not be surprised to see her sign for a World Tour team for next year. And, in fact, with the, the transfer window opens uh, tomorrow, so it might well be that we get some news on her much sooner than later. Um, That's quite interesting, actually. The transfer window opens the day after the Tour de France Femme finishes, and we've seen some really impressive rides from some riders. I mean, I don't know who's up for... who's out of contract and who isn't, but... Yeah. Interesting. After the finish, uh, SBS TV caught up with uh, Grace Brown, talking to her about the race overall. Um, being interviewed, in fact, by Gracie Elvin, who you heard from a few days ago on a um, Femme mini, po- uh, mini podcast. Um, and Grace was saying that she feels like it'd be better if the tour was longer. She mentioned two weeks. She thought that it would be better for the overall narrative of the race if it was a bit longer. There'd be more storylines to play out. It would also mean that the racing isn't so intensely difficult every day, like she said it was. You'd have some quieter days where you know things quieten down a little bit we've also heard people like oh, and Mick van Vluten in her winner's press conference talk about how it'd be good to have a time trial in this race she and would say that she would and Joss Loudon said the same thing earlier she in the race as, as well what are your thoughts on the length of this race as it currently is at eight days whether it should change whether it will change in future well my personal view is that right where the sport is right now this race is perfect for that in terms of the stages we've had the length of the race but it's interesting that grace brown said that because i think she's got a point in the sense that we've kind of always or it's easy to assume that a longer race or more stages would mean a harder race but she's right in saying that you know the shorter the shorter race like the the fewer stages kind of means that every single day is raced really aggressively so maybe you know if there were more stages and there were more kind of like of those slightly boring but good for the peloton's legs transfer stages where they you know inevitably culminate in a sprint then yeah i think that i see no reason why the race shouldn't be a bit longer a lot of riders have said this week that the level of the racing of the tour has just been quite a bit higher than in other races and said that very clearly in her press conference just before that 
it was just another level entirely. Um, Demi Vollering was saying today in her interview, in her press conference rather, that she set power records today on the final day. Um, a bunch of riders have been saying that the level is just much higher than, than we've seen. So, I mean, that's a factor of it being the Tour de France and it being the biggest stage. But I, I wonder if that would change, like you say, if the race was longer and whether that's a good thing or whether it is better at this sort of length for a, a few years more. I think it'll probably stay at eight days for a few years. Um, it would be nice maybe to see it go longer, but I I don't think it's lacking. I think initially with La Course, for example, when it started as a one-day, uh, the feeling was very much, this is great, but it, this needs to be longer. I don't think there's that feeling now, at least that's not my feeling, that, that eight days... It's good. It's great. And it doesn't need to be longer. Maybe it could be, but it doesn't need to be. Yeah, I think there's certain people are calling for it to be longer. And there's always been those people who ask, why isn't it three weeks like the men's race? And, you know, I can see I can see it being incrementally lengthened every year by maybe one or two stages. I can see them putting in a prologue maybe next year or something, making it nine. Because, I mean... You know, the women already raced 10 days at the Giro, so it's not as if, you know, that would be a new concept. So, and then, of course, like, once it starts getting longer, you have rest days, which, yeah, I think... But, yeah, I think the the length of the race right now and how it, it all panned out with eight stages has been... I think it's worked really well. Why don't we wrap things up for this podcast series with... I guess reflections on the race overall and maybe a highlight from the race. Have you got something that stands out to you as a defining moment or something that you really enjoyed? Well, I'm a goldfish, so I basically just like remember the last thing that I saw and that was <laughs> I was like stood at the top of the the Plage de Boeuf field um which Tilda showed me how to pronounce earlier today and I'm definitely butchering it again. But anyway, um I stood there You're like Hilda, right? Oh, sorry, Hilda, yes. I don't know who Tilda is. I don't know her. Um, And, yeah, I was stood there until the very last riders came in because I just wanted to soak up, you know, the the final finish line of the Tour de France Femme and just kind of see the riders who finished the race and, and what that means to them. And watching that and watching the likes of Kristen Faulkner, who finished almost... 30 minutes down on Anamique on the stage come across the line and cry in tears of joy that she finished and you know riders hugging each other and yeah so although that is literally like from today and I should probably come up with something from like earlier on in the race I am far too tired to even reach back into the dregs of my memory to find those things so I'm going to say that because no it was really special to witness and it just kind of showed how much this race means to the riders and and also just seeing all the fans out as well, lined up along the road, was really incredible. And I've been really impressed. In fact, yeah, <clears throat> a highlight for me has definitely been the fans. I've, I don't know what I expected really coming into this race. Like, And in Paris, it was hard to judge because the men were there too. But then, you know, the crowds just kept coming every single day. And I was just like, really, it, it's just really great to see so much support for the women along the road so yeah did that answer the question I can't even remember yeah perfect answer I I feel like a lot of the talk this week has been about the significance of the race and the the size of the crowds and it, it really can't be overstated how well the French people have come out and supported this race it's been amazing to see how many people have come out and how this really hasn't felt like just a kind of cheap add-on after the men's race which I think we might have been worried it could have been this has really felt like the Tour de France genuinely and the crowds have come out in huge numbers and it's it's been truly amazing and and honestly a real privilege to be here to witness it and to be part of it um and I'll, I'll definitely remember it for a long time for me one of the standout moments was uh Mariana Voss winning stage two and taking the yellow jersey. There was just something uh, we said at the time, but something that just feels very right about that, about the greatest of all time. Winning a stage and <clears throat> taking yellow, 
you know, on the biggest stage uh, that the sport has. And she's a grand champion and she deserved to wear that yellow and, and you know, she she ruled the race for the first, you know, six days or whatever it was or five days until Anamig did her thing. Um, and I think that's very fitting. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll be reflecting on this race for the next month probably, like remembering moments and like just looking back on all these amazing performances and everything that we've kind of seen and heard this last eight days and that's what the tour is about really like all these kind of special moments that come together to like define the narrative of the race and there really has been a narrative to this race and I think that's what's made it really feel like the tour. Well that's about it from us we're going to go and enjoy a delicious McDonald's dinner on the side of a motorway somewhere in France. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we've really enjoyed bringing you these daily episodes. Um, I know the rest of the team really enjoyed bringing the dailies throughout the tour and it's been a pleasure and a privilege to be able to continue that on through the women's race over the last eight days. I hope you've enjoyed it. We certainly have. Um, I am sure we'll be back again next year for more bike racing and nonsense from the greatest race in the world. And if you have been bitten by the women's cycling bug and you want to get more women's cycling content via the format of a podcast, um, why did I say that in such a long-winded way? Um, <laughs> then head over to the Freewheeling channel and hit subscribe because you'll then be treated to weekly episodes hearing from me and Abby and Lauren and Hilda. And so, yeah. Head over to Freewheeling if you want more of this sort of thing. Thanks for listening.